I'm former Congressman Gary Franks. And I'm his son, Gary. I'm millennial. We're discussing everything from politics to sports and pop culture. From very different perspectives. We speak frankly. Welcome back. How are you, Gary Jr.? I'm doing well. How are you doing? Good, good. It's hot as I'm a little boy. It's hot. But, you know, it's summertime, you know, so people say, oh, what, global warming. I believe the only type of global warming I really believe in, Gary, is the one created by someone known as God. You know, when summers are hot, winters are cold. I mean, that's, <laughs> but anyway, I don't want to get into the science because, you know, I'm not trying to be, I'm not trying to be political in this uh, podcast, at least not for today. It's not a political day, but it is hot out there. But uh, not hotter than than uh, certain states, Gary. I remember being in, in in Arizona back in the past, and you know there's 115 degrees every during <laughs> the summertime. No one ever talks about them. But anyhow, it's not anywhere near that. I th- I'm learning a new term, that being the heat index, which you know obviously is important. But typically, you just go by the temperature, you know. So, but now they're trying to throw the heat index in there. So everything is over 100 degrees, which is not accurate because we never measured it by the heat index before. We always measured it by something known as the temperature. So, well, that's so actually a little editorial. I'll get back. It's actually a great transition. Speaking of, <laughs> of, of people throw, of, of warm weather, let's talk about baseball real quick. Baseball, um, and, the boys of summer. Yes, that's yes. right. That's right. And people and people who throw 100 miles an hour. So if yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. So, <laughs> so let's get into it real quick. Uh, um, for the listeners who may not know, the Hall of Fame was the past weekend, and it was very interesting because there's one individual that got into the Hall of Fame that we will talk about later. In fact, you know what? We'll talk about it right now. Well, David I'm Ortiz. You don't want to leave him for last? Okay. No, no. Okay, go ahead. Start no, David Ortiz, who was actually probably the biggest name out of all the guys um, inducted into the Hall of Fame, which is why I want to touch on him first. I think it's very interesting that baseball put him into the Hall of Fame, and we'll get into the reasons why. But, but I understand why they put him in. And if you look at uh, all the Hall of Fames, it's very rare to see a Hall of Fame without anyone being inducted into it. And baseball had that issue last season where no one was inducted to the Baseball Hall of Fame. Oh, that's right. And that is something that you don't see in the other sports, which is why I believe the NBA and the NFL, well, not the NFL, because they have so many guys to choose from, but the NBA, they watered down their, their um, you know, the metrics to get into the Hall of Fame because they, you know, they don't want to have a Hall of Fame when no one gets in. So in 2020, Derek Jeter got in, and I believe he was the only person that got in. And then in 2022, they just 2021. You know, okay. okay no, 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 okay, no, no, no. In 2022, all of a sudden, there's what six or seven guys that got inducted. They weren't good enough to get in last year. A lot of them. <laughs> to put in for 2021. So all of a sudden, you just found some random guys to put into 2022. <laughs> You know, like, like, but I think another guy just real quick before, uh, you know, I'll let you, uh, you know, um, continue on this topic. But I'm very happy that Tim Kirchin got into the Hall of Fame as a baseball writer. Um, he's been working for ESPN for many, many years. And ESPN has the best baseball writers that they don't use. Mm-hmm. That is their best 
part of their whole thing. I believe they have two Hall of Fame writers mm. on ESPN with Busta only, or if he's not in, he's you know he will be in eventually. Yeah, yeah And they don't even and they don't even use guys. Mm-hmm. And you know it's it's very odd, it's very strange that that's the case. But you know I'm very happy that Tim Kirshen got in, and you know I'm gonna let you um, continue with the induction. Um, you know the guys who got in because I know. I know you know more of those guys than I do. Yeah, I, I do, Gary, and I, and I, I agree with many of your comments. Um, yeah, baseball. When I was growing up, Gary, it was a, it was the sport. You know, basketball had been around for like twenty years. You know, that was about it. You know, maybe not even twenty years when I was growing up, and baseball had been around like forever, like nineteen, eleven, ten. You know, forever, the turn of the century, nineteenth century to the twentieth century, forever. And so it was the sport, and football was that. What what game is that? Football is that soccer? No, no one, no one really took the football. They probably had like twelve teams, and that was about it. You know, it was, it was like, oh yeah, 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 we got to get through the winter, so we'll fall in winter. We'll, we'll play football. Things have changed. Things have changed. But I tell you, Gary, growing up with, with baseball was was a, was a hell of a lot of fun. Your grandfather, my father, he loved it, and and it was such an honor to see. Black players participate, and when I was able to under, not understand, but really take to the game, black players were just starting to, to, to get involved, and that, that's why. And I know what you said, you know, that they, they had a search for people to put in the Hall of Fame. Well, I'm I'm glad they searched for two guys here who, you know, I don't. I'll be honest with you, Gary. I never heard of them. Okay, I never heard of them. In fact, one guy, his name is Bud Fowler. They say also goes by John W. Jackson. I don't know either one of those people. That's the same guy. But I don't, I've never heard of the name even. And, and I'm glad that they're recognizing people like that. Um, and they're all part of the Negro Baseball League. And, and, and back in the day, I didn't, I could not appreciate that. It was, you know, Jackie Robinson. You know, you had people who were, who were, um, you know, breaking barriers and, and the color barrier. You know, I, I don't really, really remember Jackie Robinson actually playing baseball. I, I remember the, the name was always around me, but I don't remember remember it. But another guy who's on here that, that I'm going to talk about them in greater detail, I do remember, and that's Minnie Minoso, because he was the first Latin player to really get that recognition. Now, why was that significant? Because he couldn't speak English. He barely, you know, so it was like this baseball player couldn't do really – Talk that talk couldn't speak English, so it was really weird from that perspective. And it was such a, it, it was so. I mean, he was Afro Latin. He's, I think he was from, I think he was from Cuba. Well, I'm not sure, Cuba or, or Puerto Rico. Well, I'm not sure where exactly, but, but that was a big deal. And I remember him vividly when he was playing baseball, for for the various teams that he played for. But let me spend a little time before we go into. But I agree with you. Many of the other players. You know, a guy like Jim Cott, who I did like as a player, saw him play for I don't know how many years. Great pitcher, and I'm going to talk about him in greater detail a little later. But he left baseball probably in 1982, 83. He has, I don't know, what, 30 years to get inducted? <laughs> Never, or 20-something years to get inducted? And nope, always rejected. And Gil Hodges, he goes back even further. That he landed, but he was a manager for the New York Mets in 1969. So he stopped playing even before then. But now he's he's going up to be in the Hall of Fame. So you're right. I think that they really did have to. Uh, to and I hate to use that word scratch the barrel because these guys are all you know uh, outstanding individuals and, and and really played their heart out. 
But, you know, when you think of some of the other guys who are in the Hall of Fame, when you say, oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah that's, oh, yeah, punch his card. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. And I'm thinking of people like you mentioned, Derek Jeter and others. Tony Oliva was a guy who I, my, your, your uncle thought the world of him. He was an exciting player, a Yankee killer, uh, played for the Twins. But he stopped playing 30, 40 years ago. You know? So now he's in the, so yeah, we'll go into detail about those folks. But before I do that, Garrett, let me give a little bit of recognition to Bud Fowler, also known as John W. Jackson, because he's given credit for establishing the Black Baseball League across the country, which is obviously very significant because a lot for for Jackie Robinson to play for the Barnacles, various other players to, to get started. He actually played for 22 different and 22 different states and, and also Canada when he played and he played for more than a dozen teams. So he's looked upon as being the first black professional baseball player. Didn't say playing in the major leagues. I said the first black professional baseball player, which would mean that he was paid to play the game. And he was the first black to be paid to play the game. And some call him is the Titan of in, in baseball history. But, you know, once again, as I said at the opening, I never heard of the guy. Never heard of the guy. But it's nice that they are recon recognizing him in, in, in that manner. But another guy who, uh, Buck O'Neill, they have recognized him, Gary, to the point of he, there's a statue of him right as you walk into the Hall of Fame uh, facility. You'll see a gigantic statue of him. And he, uh, you know, he, he you know, was born in 1911, but he was a, player he was a manager he was yeah you hear this LeBron he was a scout he was an executive he played he participated in baseball for eight decades he also served in the Navy played for teams like the Memphis Red Sox and the KC Monarchs and the, and the Negro American uh, League for X number of years he led his team the Monarchs to four straight pennants uh, but more credited for being the first black coach in 1962 of the Chicago Cubs. I never knew he was there. Granted, I was pretty young, but <clears throat> didn't, you know, didn't register. They didn't really, you know, talk about it all the time. So here's the first black coach. Well, he was, and he's credited with developing, helping to develop one of the greatest bas baseball players in, the, in our, in the baseball history, that being Ernie Banks. Maybe today still the best Chicago Cub player ever. He was recognized, Gary, by President George W. Bush in 2008 with the very prestigious Presidential Medal of Freedom. And to, to me, that that's that very few Americans, very few Americans are given that honor. And I think that is uh, it's quite obviously having done that, he should be given some consideration for the Hall of Fame as, as well, considering that that all the barriers that he broke through and also the fact that he was a, a, an outstanding leader. There's no question that um, when you lead your team, I don't care what league you're in, you lead your team to, to, to re, the four straight pennants and and you're the best team. You don't have the stats for these guys, Gary, because no one really cared. You know, but, you know, bottom line of it is he was inducted and I, I, I'm proud that he was. And he's, he, along with Bud Fowler, are people that uh, I never heard of. And I'm glad they gave them the recognition, some posthumously. Uh, and I'm glad that their their families, however, or we'll be able to um, to long remember um, this weekend that that they were inducted into the Hall of Fame. Um, I'm going to pause here, Gary, to see if you have any comments about that before I dig into the the players who 
I remember playing on the on the baseball field to a certain degree. Not so much Gil Hodges, but the other three. And we're going to save a whole segment for David Ortiz because that is worthy of a whole different segment as far as I'm concerned. But any comments on these two guys, Gary, before I move on? Yeah, just a quick one. Um, and I agree with you on this point, uh, you know, on David Ortiz being a whole different segment because I think we're in a situation we're in because of, of David Ortiz. But first, um, you know, this is baseball's to me biggest flaw, and I think it's always been their biggest flaw, is that when it comes to uh, different sports like the NBA, if you're the first to do something, they put you in basically instantly. Um, these guys should have been in the Hall of Fame a long, long time ago. And in I fact, agree. you know, they should have been alive to be able to, I agree. you know, to, to be inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame. And the fact that it took them this long to do it, and again, there was a year when nobody got in and they couldn't get in, um, you know, in 2021. I get it. You know, maybe if, you know, um, it was for COVID or for whatever reason that was going on. But those guys should have been in years and years and years ago. And the fact that baseball, you know, um, has not – and I haven't heard these names either. The fact that they haven't, you know, promoted these guys and, you know, and actually uh, – I mentioned their accomplishments more than they have is a flaw of baseball in itself. I agree. I agree. It's a black guy for baseball, no pun intended, because they uh, they should have long recognized these individuals, long recognized these individuals. And you're right. Basketball does did do that, Gary. They they, um, they did not omit some of the old timers who played a role in making the game what it is today. Well, they didn't do because uh, to think about it this way, Yao Ming, you know, they they moved up Yao Ming's Hall of Fame thing to get in uh, quicker because Yao Ming was the first. Chinese player to play in the in the NBA at that high of a level, and they put him in, yeah, because that was the right thing to do because that's such a big market for the NBA. Yes, I agree. So on that band, I'm going to talk about Minnie Minoso first because, as I mentioned earlier, he was the first Afro Latino player um, to actually play in the major leagues, and he started back in, oh boy, I think he started back in the 1949 or something like that for the Cleveland Indians. I uh, played for 17 years in baseball and, th- and plus three years in the Negro League. 13 times, Gary. I, I heard his name all the time. He was synonymous with the Chicago White Sox. I mean, he was their best player. He was an exciting player. 13 times he made their all-star team. 13 times. Three times he was a Golden Glove, Gold Glove winner. And he had over 2,000 hits. And years ago, Gary, it was like, if you don't have this number, you can't even think about being in the Hall of Fame. And that that magic number was you had to bat at least 300 in your career. You, and in fact, they even threatened Mickey Mantle with not being able to get in because of, you know that didn't last that long, that threat. But Mickey Mantle was very sensitive about his career batting average being at least 300. And because he, in his latter years, he had a hard time batting his weight, uh, it almost got, I think you have to round it off for him to be at 300. I, I'd have to check that online to see if they rounded it off to 300 or he was at 299, but it was a big deal. Well, Minnie Minoso, they held that against him, I, I, my estimation, for quite some time because he, believe it or not, he batted only 299. And so despite having 2,000 hits, which was a good number for, for, for that time, Gary, and a 13-time All-Star, he had to wait until I think he's that dead as well to um, 
to be inducted into the Hall of Fame. And, and, and I agree. I, I think that to a certain degree, you can say, well, his numbers aren't. Well, but he was he broke the door open for what we have today. Gary. You have most teams in the major leagues have a large number of the, the, the uh, baseball players who are Hispanic. Latino, you, they they do that across the board, and he was the one who broke down that door, you know, just like Jackie Robinson did for for blacks. This Afro Latino individual was the first one. People who followed him were legendary. I mean, just during the time in which, just during the time of the sixties, they were just legendary people. People who, when their names even appeared or thought about when you thought about these guys it was like can't wait to vote for them they were like as instant hall of famers like roberto clemente <laughs> still today i've never seen anyone with an arm like he had a great player and died unfortunately on untimely death while helping the poor and during a disastrous plane crash orlando cepeda one year once again one of your uncle's favorite players who played for the san francisco giants Obviously, uh, Roberto Clemente was a lifelong player of the Pittsburgh Pirates. Orlando Cepeda, also an instant Hall of Famer. So he broke the door open for these guys. Later on, you had Tony Oliva, who's also you know in this class. And so I'm very happy that they finally put him in. I think he should have been in a long time ago. But um, better late than never, even though I don't think he's alive. I think he's dead. His family will celebrate that with him. And I think that's regrettable. That's that's, that's highly regrettable, Gary, because they should have been able to um, to see that dishonor with their eyes open. Any comment about him before I go to the other two, and yeah. then we'll go to our friend. Okay, yeah, so you don't you know have you, you obviously you didn't. <laughs> he was the he was an exciting player. He was he was a very exciting player. I should say the other three. I want to go to Tony Oliva next, Gary, because he he was an interesting player. He played for the Twins, and he, he was uh, Cuban once again. From, um, from Latin America and one of Latin American con uh, countries and career batting average 304, 220 home runs. But what made Tony Oliva stand out? And I tell you, Ichiro, Ichiro probably can't, can't uh, copied him and so did the guy who played for San Diego. I can't think of his name, but he won, a, he won several batting titles from San Diego. How about Tony Gwynn? Tony Gwynn. They, they played exactly the same except Oliva had a little more power. Tony Oliva went into the major leagues and instantly was a star. Rookie of the year, won the batting titles first year. Then what did he do next? Next year, he won the batting title his second year. And he led the, tw the Twins into the, uh, into the World Series that, that second year, 1966, I think it was. Uh, five times he led the major leagues and, and hits. So he, then in 1971, he won his third batting title, batting 337. Eight-time All-Star, Gold Glove winner as well. I, I personally don't know why it took so long for him to, to get into the Hall of Fame. He had knee problems, Gary, that really uh, uh, shortened his career. And he, he took away his speed. He had a decent arm from the outfield. But he, he during his time, he really did dominate dominate the game from a getting on base perspective from from being a very feared hitter because he could spray the ball all over the field and he could hit the ball with one arm just like many of those just like another player i can't think of his name his son whose son is playing right now filder is it filder 
Yes, yeah. he's recently retired. Yeah, recently Phil. Phil, you, you can throw a ball and Phil will still hit the ball out. Of, you can throw the ball out of the strike zone and Phil will still hit the ball for a double. Tony Oliva was able to do that all the time. And it, he, he was a great player. I always, in fact, I thought he was already in the Hall of Fame, quite frankly, but it took this long. And this is the guy who played during the 60s and 70s. It took this long for him to be able to get in the Hall of Fame. And, and I just scratched my head as to why. Um, now, just any comments on Tony Oliva, Gary, before I go to Cotton and Hodges? Um, yeah, just one quick one. It's not mm -hmm. on him. Um, just for clarification, I think you made Vladimir Guerrero. Yeah, that's what, that's what I meant. Like that. yes. That's what I meant. Yeah. That's what yeah. I meant. That's what I meant. And his son is playing now. Yeah, that's what yes. I meant. Yes. That's what I meant. Uh, and then you have two guys, Gary. One guy I just like. I, 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 I just like seeing Jim Cott play because um, now he, he played for the Yankees for a minute. And he does Major League Baseball on TV. But I, you could tell that that people, certain people just didn't like him. You know, I, it, was, it was no surprise. If you, you stopped anyone on the street or anyone who's my age or whatever and say, Jim Cott, oh, no, he's not in all of it. Because you just got that feeling that he just rubbed people the wrong way. Yeah, he was a, one of the, I think, one of the greatest pitchers in baseball. And obviously, this recognition would, would say that he is as well. But it took too damn long. Jim Cott played for 25 years. 25 years he played in the, in the in baseball, Gary. When they established this this rule called or this honor called a gold glove as being the best defensive player in your position, well, he won it 16 straight times. <laughs> okay, it's okay. 16 times this, this guy won it. Only one guy in the history of the game has won a gold glove as many times as Jim Cott, and that was a third base a third baseman for the Baltimore Orioles named Brooke Robinson, and they called him a vacuum cleaner because everything that came near him he picked up. Jim Cott won it 16 times. Jim Cott was also, they don't talk about this, one of the best hitting pitchers. Now, obviously, we have the guy from California, the, I mean, from the Angels, who actually plays now fielding pitches. But back in the day, you, had, you would not find a pitcher who could hit as well as Jim Cott. In fact, I remember sometimes in which he would pitch hit for, for players because when he wouldn't be pitching, because he was that good of a hitter. Only a three-time All-Star. I, I questioned that, but that's that's where it was. I said before, not many people like this guy, in my estimation. Earn run average, 3.45. Had almost 2,500 strikeouts, which is, I mean, once again, these are outstanding numbers. Um, one year, 1966, that was the year he teamed up with Tony Oliva and that great uh, Twins team. He won 25 games with 19 complete games. And what, what you loved about Jim Capital was part of that era, Gary. He, he, what he started, he finished. He started 625 games, 17th best in the history of baseball as far as how many games he started. And he pitched over 4,500 innings, which is 25th best in the history of the game. He, he didn't come out. He just worked his way through situations. And he didn't play for good teams. I mean, he played for the Washington Senators. Oh, my God. They were, they were so bad. They made last year's Oriole team look like a like like a championship team. They were terrible, the Washington Senators. They were so bad that soon thereafter they they left and went to Minnesota, Minneapolis, and then come back until you know recently. <laughs> they were bad. Yeah, they were bad. So for Jim Cott to have two hundred and eighty three wins, almost three hundred wins, two hundred and eighty three wins. Not many people. That, I can't name many people who actually pitched in the last thirty years 
who would be in that category. 237 losses. That's a lot. I'm not saying it's not a lot, but it also shows that he when he, we, he pitched a lot. He pitched a lot in 25 years. He actually is a World Series champion. And did that in 1982 in his latter years, but he did that from the bullpen. He was so versatile, Gary. He was a really a great pitcher. Um, I thought that one year they let him in just because of the fact that he he was doing such a great job as a as a as a color co commentator for for Major League Baseball and, and seemed like he was putting things back together. I think he was with the Yankees for a little while doing that, but. Uh, you know, I think they just held that 237 losses against them. I don't know why, because his winning percentage, you know, obviously is not not stellar. You know, the diff is winning win loss percentage. But the bottom line of it is, when you're playing for the Senators, and you're playing for the Phillies, who at that time was all they were also terrible, and you're playing for the White Sox, who never couldn't get out of their own way, and also, as I said before, this, the the um, the Twins did have a couple of good years. You're the number one pitcher all the time going against the number one pitcher of the other team. It's tough. I mean, you don't get the run support. So Jim Cott, I'm not surprised it took so long because I knew those sports writers just had a hard time writing his name on the ballot. But does he deserve to be in the Hall of Fame? Yes, I do. I think he does because if you have almost 300 wins, I, I just shake my head as to why you're not in. Uh, so, uh, and when you 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 have 625 starts and only 16 people have more than you in the history of the game, that means you were a workhorse for 25 years. And when you win 16 Gold Gloves and no one's ever done that, other than Brooke Robinson, no one. I mean, he was like a he was a he, he was he played the middle. I mean, you couldn't get the ball by him. And don't try to bunt. I mean, you think you're gonna bunt and get someone over to second base? Ah, not happening. Or you think you're going to do a drag bunt and get, no, not happening. You think you hit the ball, bump the ball down the third baseline and get, no, not happening. So he, he he did all of that. And the ball came back. He was the epitome of when he pitched the ball, Gary, he was ready to field. He just looked at you like, hit it to me. Come on. I dare you. You know, and that's what, and if you did, you were out. And he would turn situations into double plays all the time. So for, for that reason alone, when you win 16 golden gloves and, 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 you're only the only one person that's tied with you, and you're not in the Hall of Fame. You win almost 300 games, and and you, you could name, but there's very few people. No one who's won 300 games or close to 300 games is not in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, it's just because some people had a you know pet peeve against them, and I, I do. And you win a World Series championship. You're part of a World Series championship team, and you're not. In all, yeah, I just think he he passed all the criteria for being in the one. Finally, he's in. I'm happy he's in. Any comment so, about yeah. it? So, yeah, I actually agree with you. And, and, and by the way, Greg Maddox has 18, so Greg Maddox has the most. But and we're not going to compare, mm -hmm. uh, you know, um, quote-unquote legacy to legacy. But based off what you just said, Greg Maddox has this, you know, basically had the same things checked off, and Greg Maddox got in with 97.2% of the vote. Oh, and Gary, they just didn't like this guy. I mean, I, I was always like, I, I knew he wasn't going to get in early. That's why I said, I, I, let, I have to let him in sooner or later because, I mean, no one, you know, everyone's struggling to get the 300 wins. This guy, you know, this guy has like uh, 500 decisions, you know. So how can you get five, have 500 decisions, win or losses? How many pitchers actually have 500 decisions? <laughs> Not many. In the history of the game, it meant that he went deep in the games. He didn't come out. He didn't come out in the fifth inning, seventh inning, eighth. He, 
pitched. <laughs> he had so many complete games. I mean, the year he won 25 games ago, he had 19 complete games. I mean, <laughs> innings pitched. Very few people have more innings. And how do you leave him out for all these years? I mean, just so, so unfair. And I'm glad Jim Cotton's in. It's just so unfair that it took so long. But I knew it was going to happen because they didn't want to put him on the All-Star team. He was like, I don't know, i put him on the team. Yeah, he would have losses. You know, he probably had the All-Star break. He'll have like nine wins and eight losses. Okay, I can't do that. I don't know. But he, but he was playing on terrible teams. You know, so, but anyhow. And now before we go to David Ortiz, I'm going to talk about Gil Hodges. Um, now, this guy is is borderline as far as I'm concerned, Gary. And I... And I, and I I think they just threw him in because hey, they said, hey, this is a lean year. Let's put him in there. I uh, played or coached for 27 years. He was manager for the Mets and the Dodgers. One of his claims of fame that I remember the most is that he managed the, 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 the Mets to their first World Series championship. But his overall batting average was 273. He had about 370 home runs. So from those two perspectives, it never qualified to be in the Hall of Fame category from come close to batting 300, then come didn't have 400, 500 home runs. Uh, okay. Um, won three gold gloves, eight-time All-Star, and World Series player champion in 55 and 59. Uh, claimed the fame and as a hitter, 11 seasons in a row with 20 home runs, which is not – okay, that's that's fine. And his big achievement was when he hit four home runs in one game, the first modern – the second modern-day player to do so. He did that in 1950. Um that's the all-star. That's the Hall of Fame with the exception of one guy, Gary. We can, I'll let you leave with that guy, that being David Ortiz. So the reason why we're in this situation where David Ortiz was the only person voted by um, the actual writers, all these other guys were voted in by a veteran community. Oh, I didn't uh, realize that. Okay. Yes, okay. yes. So uh, David Ortiz received 77% of the vote, and I think he's the reason why uh, you know, that we've had such lean years. And what do I mean is that? Well, he's the only guy that's been, uh, that actually tested that's positive for steroids that's actually made it. We know, or we have a hunch that uh, Pudge and, and Mike Piazza and Jeff Bagwell also did steroids as well, but they, they have, you know, they weren't tested positive for steroids as far as we know of. So, um, the fact that David Ortiz uh, made it, I think, is a travesty. I don't think he should make it. I understand why he ended up making it was because he has softened his position because of him being in the media, and he changed the Boston Red Sox from being a cursed franchise to a franchise, you know, and we don't want to hear this as Yankee fans, that have won more World Series than the Yankees have won, and he's been a key component of that. And uh, the Red Sox are one of the top five franchises in baseball, one of the top uh, franchises in the world. So that's why he ended up making it. But I don't believe he should have made it uh, because of that reason. I think all steroid guys should be left out of the Hall of Fame until we find a way to, uh, you know, to see exactly what they actually uh, accomplish and how you can actually put them in to the Hall of Fame because they, that era of baseball has ruined baseball from the standpoint of baseball used to be all about records. And now the records don't mean anything because the records are screwed. So now they're going to have to um, find a way to uh, to kind of re-promote the game. That's been the biggest issue with baseball is that there's no way to promote the game because they used to rely so heavily on records. And they don't really ha- – you know, they can't really use that anymore. And David Ortiz is one of 
is one of those guys. Now, if you look at his numbers, yes, he has over 500 home runs. You know, he's won multiple championships. You know, he's been an all-star multiple years. He changed the DH position. Yes, he should be in the Hall of Fame if you just look at his numbers. But we all know the fact when he was with the Minnesota Twins, he was not a good baseball player. And when he got to the Boston Red Sox, he became, what, a top five player, maybe a top three player in baseball, which is something that doesn't happen in, in the history of baseball where guys are just you know, almost out of the league and they see, you know, he's a superstar, Sammy Sosa. And, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not surprised that he's the first one because people love his personality. You know, he comes across as a very nice guy. But um, I think guys like him are are ruining the Hall of Fame, but also helping Hall of Fame because, you know, we just went through all the guys that just got in. None of those guys would have gotten in if the steroid guys, you know, would have gotten in because those guys, the Bonds, the Clemens, uh, you know, the Sammy Sosa's, the – the Mark McGuire's, those guys would have been in the Hall of Fame. And there's others, obviously there's others. You know, Manny Ramirez, A-Rod probably would have been in this year. You know, those guys who um, who would have taken up slots for the, for the guys that, you know, just got in who deserved to be in years ago. So from that standpoint, it's actually good that we actually have guys who did it the right way that are in. But, um, you know, I'm not happy David Ortiz got in. I – I wish more baseball players would have, um, you know, would have boycotted it. I understand why they went because at the end of the day, you know, they got to support the league and support, you know, MLB because, you know, they got to stick together. But, you know, I wouldn't have I'm showing up to it because, you know, again, until baseball finds a way to, you know, unquantify what they did, they shouldn't, you know, they shouldn't, they shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame, in my opinion. Well, Gary, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. And I thought that Reggie Jackson and Goose Gossage were going to stand tall and boycott it. And uh, to me, that would have been the right thing to do. It's simply wrong. It's simply wrong. And uh, and I, um, you know, maybe it's a great day for Roger Clemens, a great day for Barry Bonds, a great day for A-Rod, because now they, they have... Um, well, they don't want to talk about it. It's like one of those things, Gary. No one wants to talk about it. He was the first one tested for seven. No one wants to talk about well, no, no, can't talk about that. To me, he cheated. And the fact that they have swept this under the rug, to me, Gary, is just so wrong. Roger Clemens has numbers that are off the chart as a pitcher, done, having done things that are totally unprecedented. He's not in the Hall of Fame. Probably will not unless they change their rules or make some type of concession or or ask. I don't know what they need to do, but there's no he 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 has he's done things as a pitcher that no one else has ever done. Can I interrupt you for a second? Yes. Uh, you know, let's not just start with Roger Clemens. Let's start with if Barry Bonds didn't test yeah. positive for steroids, he'll be the greatest baseball player ever. Well, he I'm, has the most walks ever. Yeah. He has the most home runs ever. He has the most RBIs ever, or second in RBIs ever. Uh, you know, he's a 3,000 hit club guy. What do you have, like eight, yeah. eight or nine gold gloves? But he, no, Gary, know, I, was going, I was going ahead. That'll be the first guy off the list. I'm glad you did. I'm glad you said you went there. If they're going to start to allow steroids people in, the first one they should allow in is Barry Bonds. Yes. Simple as that. Simple as that. Because he was a Ortiz, Hall of Famer before steroids. Or, or, that's right. He had more home runs than, than, than Ortiz had 
before he, before the steroid situation came up. Okay, <laughs> you know, he, he is the, he, uh, so it's so wrong. It is so wrong on so many levels that baseball should be ashamed of themselves for looking the other way and allowing this to take place. It's so wrong. David Ortiz would have been fine in his lifetime and the balance of his life without him being in the Hall of Fame. Believe me, he's made enough money and will continue to make enough money to do fine. So that's not the, that's not the question. We will still think of him like we would think of him. Those who, you know, but you can't sweep some things under the rug. He cheated. He was tested as he was tested and he tested positive. Now, it wasn't a repeat offender like A-Rod or like Manny or whatever, but he did. And to me, Gary, to, to, to ostracize these other guys for what they what they did, and he and and David Ortiz did the same thing. I would forget about all those. If you're gonna forget about all the records that these other gentlemen have put forth, like Barry Bonds and Clemens and et cetera, you want to forget about those and make, make believe they never happened. You must do the same for David Ortiz. No matter how much you like Big Poppy. And I'm not saying this just because I'm a Yankee fan. I'm saying this because it's just life. You cannot tell people that there's two standards. One for the Latino player, one for the white player, one for the black player. You can't do that. You can't do that. You don't like Roger coming, fine, but you can't do that. Barry Bonds, you can't do that. What he was doing before he used steroids was phenomenal. You can't say that about Ortiz. Ortiz was not a great player at the beginning. He wasn't. He's it was the steroid, and we all knew he was using it. He looked, he, he became like, he had that steroid look, that neck look that all of these steroid guys had. And so I, I think it's very unfortunate that they, that Major League Baseball went into this went went to this direction. I think Ortiz was probably probably surprised as well, but. Um, yeah, baseball, you're hypocrites. So that's all I can have to, that's all I can say on that front. Well, real quick, I want to say one more thing about Barry Bonds. Here's an interesting stat that I just saw. So in 2004, Barry Bonds reached I'm sorry, he um, he had 373 at bats. He reached base safely 376 times. <laughs> that right there just shows you how great Barry Bonds was because obviously uh, you know, even though you take steroids, you have to be able to put, you know, bat to ball at an extremely high level. And Barry Bonds was so great at it that it made him, you know, to a point where, like, you know, where it's almost video game-like-ish. Like, you've just never seen it before. And, and I, you know, I personally believe, it, you know, if you're going to put David Ortiz in, I think at least you should put in Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens. I don't think any of them should get in. But, I think baseball is having a hard time when it comes to, uh, you know, people watching the Hall of Fame, where if they just put the guys in that were on the, you know, that were um, inducted in and not put a quote unquote superstar player in there, they wouldn't get any press. So they needed to put someone in there that people actually know and, you know, it would draw eyes to the television. And I think that's yeah. why they put David Ortiz in there because. Yeah. They, you know, they kind of, you know, hid the fact that he took it to begin with. Out of all the players, he was the one guy you know, that they always just kind of, you know, slept, you know, kind of put it underneath the rug. And, uh, you know, that's why it was probably the best thing for them to do that since 
you know, they would probably go almost five, six years without putting anybody in. Yeah, that's true. And Gary, I, I, I'm saying, I, I think we're agreeing with each other. If you're going to put put Ortiz in, you got to put Bonds, you got to put Clemens, you got to just forget about the whole thing, the whole yep. zero or zero. And I'm because, no quite frankly, one I'm more no thing. I one no more thing on that. that. But you can't just say we're letting this guy in who did, did wrong, but we're not letting these two guys in or these four guys in who did equally as wrong. You just right. that's that's being hypocrites. And the numbers of Barry Bonds, seven time MVP. Come on, guys. Well, let me <laughs> say this. Let me say this as well. Nineteen ninety. He was MVP in nineteen ninety two. He was MVP in nineteen ninety. Oh, come on, guys. He was a he was a Gold Glove winner eight times. Silver Slugger winner 12 times, batting champion, and they walked him all the time because they know him on the pitch to him. Yeah, so well, he has. Let me make, make this point real quick. Mm -hmm. I know you're just going to all the numbers, but here's the bottom line, and this is a great, uh, you know, probably a great way to kind of end this here. Steroids were legal, baseball. You kept it legal. So the, <laughs> fact, that, the fact that steroids were, were legal <laughs> and guys took it, and now you're punishing them. After the fact, for helping your game, those you know, I don't like Sammy Sosa, I don't like Mark McGuire. There's, you know, we get it, but they save baseball, and because they save baseball, if you're gonna put some of the guys in that were not a part of that era who you know who try to save baseball, you got to put those guys in as well because without those guys, baseball would not have had the major uh, high they had in 90 and 98 and 99 and 2000, 2001 where bonds hit something like 73 home runs, which will obviously we'll never see that again. Uh, be, you know, and we, you know, we know why we'll never see that again, but uh, just for that alone, these guys technically follow the rules yeah. and you're punishing the, certain guys for following the rule. But when Ortiz did it, it wasn't, it was actually against the rules when Ortiz that did it. That is right. That's exactly right, Gary. That's exactly right. And guess what? Not here's another record no one's gonna break: 232 base on balls. <laughs> no one's gonna, no one's gonna be walked 232 times. Okay, guys, no one. He was feared that much. 232 times he was walked with an on-base percentage record high of of six zero nine. Over sixty percent of the time, he was on base. <laughs> that's, um, that's unbelievable, okay, guys. And you're not gonna put you don't, you don't even want to discuss that as far as being as far as being uh, in the Hall of Fame. And oh. to me, I think it's just so. This, you're absolutely right, though, Gary. When Bonds was doing what he was doing, it was many of those years it was it wasn't even illegal. These guys, they they knew it was illegal when they were doing it. Let me say this last thing. I think here's the bottom line, and I think this goes for any uh, future athlete or any athlete who's playing right now. If the media loves you, they'll put you into things that you shouldn't be in. That's, that's I think that does because the media did not like Barry Bonds at all because nope, he was not a nice did. guy to any. Never did. Never liked. And David Ortiz was the nicest guy ever. Yep. And one guy got in, and one guy didn't. So we're out of time for today. Don't forget to subscribe.